Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. A message series, and we're going to do it for three weeks, all right, called Life Portfolio. I titled it Life Portfolio, Investing Your Life Wisely, Investing Your Life Wisely. Uh, so we're going to do this for the next three Sundays, and I trust that this will be one of those messages that will really change minds, change destiny, and shift things in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Today we're going to talk about principles of successful investing. And we're not just talking about investing of money. We're talking about investing our life. Investing your life wisely. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we thank you because your word is quick. Your word is powerful. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. So I'm praying, Lord, that you will speak your word. Empower me. Anoint me. Bless my tongue to be able to speak your word and speak it with accuracy, with precision, and with power. Thank you because you've answered our prayer. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Many years ago, I came across a statement, very simple statement by Rick Warren that says, the way you see your life shapes your life. And that is very, very true. The way you see life shapes your life. You know, your life has been shaped largely based on the way you see life. And many of us, we see life differently, all right? Some people see life as a race. If you see life as a race, you're always going to be running. And some people, to them, life is a race. They're always in competition. They're always running from pillar to post. If they're running, they're not living life. That's because somehow at the back of their mind, Life is a race. Sometimes this comes maybe because of how we are raised, our personalities, what we were exposed to early in life can really shape how we see life. So you see some people see life as a warfare. Some people see life as war. They are always at war. You know, anything. You know, give them a simple prayer point, it becomes a prayer point of warfare. Some people are like that. Everything is warfare. They see warfare in every single thing. They go around thinking everyone is against them, thinking they must fight. You know, even when you're not fighting them, it's like fighting. And you're like, no, 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 I don't mean it that way because somehow in their mind, life is war. Sometimes, like I said, it's how we grew up, how we were raised, the environment, the family can cause us to see life in different ways. Now, yet you come across some people, life is a party, all right? I mean, life is a party. It's about fun. It's about this. Everything. They don't take life too seriously. And they just, you know, it works for them in some ways. But sometimes they just go on. Life is always a party. Everything is about partying. If there's no party, there's no life. They haven't gone to a party or some celebration in a month. They are down. They are depressed. Because in their mind, life is a party. Some people see life as victims. 
All right? They're always trying to protect, project themselves, see themselves as a victim of circumstance, victim of what is going on. You put them in any team, they're the one to complain of not getting things, even when they're getting everything. So the way we see life somehow shapes us and determines how we live our life. But when you look at the scripture, uh, if, you, if you're a good student of the Bible, especially the New Testament, even Old and New Testament, you will see a theme that evolves about how God wants us to see life. It is simply the law of sowing and reaping, all right? Uh, but I don't want you to just take it lightly like that, but I'm, I, want to, I want you to just work, you know, work with me. It is simply, life is simply about investment. You know, it's about, you know, our life from the scripture is really what I call a portfolio of investment. Uh, every one of us, every one of us, we are God's investment. You see, God has created every one of us, you know, to make a difference. And God has created every one of us to be able to do something now with our life in a way that he becomes something greater later. And that is, if you look at the scripture, if you look at the parables of Jesus, you see that that's his expectation from us. He gave people talent. He expects them to get better. Some people came to Jesus. They said, we are unprofitable servants. There is an expectation from us to increase the part of the just. is like a shining light that shines more and more onto the perfect day. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them that appears before God in Zion. You see, the expectation of God is for us to get better and better. And it's because God has put so much in every one of us. God sees us, each one of us, as an investment, as a treasure. Praise the name of Jesus. In fact, Apostle Paul says, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. So we are his treasure. In fact, in his prayer, Apostle Paul, in, uh, in one of his uh, uh, apostles' prayer, or what we call uh, uh, Pauline prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, one of the things he prays is for us to see what great investment God has in us. He talks about God should open our eyes to see the inheritance that he has in us as his holy people. So each one of us is a portfolio of God's investment. Praise the name of Jesus. A portfolio simply means a range of investment that someone is holding. That's a portfolio. I have a picture there. Hopefully you can see. Uh, you know, just show my picture. Show my picture, okay? You know, this is how people maybe on Wall Street or, or investment people would dis we, we do a picture display of someone's portfolio, right? Because a portfolio is not just one. That means a range. So they will look at someone, they will say, what is, what's your portfolio like? You know, how much do you have in bond? And we know even with the stock, there's all kinds of stocks, right? You know, there's all kinds of, whether you want to break them down into industries where they are, where you invested, or, or groups, is a large cap, small cap, middle cap, you know, all kinds of, is it stock, is it bond, what kind of bond? I mean, they talk about someone's portfolio. I'm praying that will be someone's uh, testimony one day, uh, very, very soon. But that's our life. 
That's our life. We are a portfolio. A portfolio means you are a range. Nobody is one thing. You are multiple things. You're multiple things. If you look at me, for example, I'm a pastor. But that's not just who I am. I'm more than a pastor. To some people, I'm a father, right? So I'm a father. I'm a father. So I, do, I don't just look at me as my, a pastor alone, but I'm a father. I'm a husband, right? To some people, I'm, I'm a friend, right? But God has also given me gifting, you know. You know, to some people, I'm a coach, you know, I, you know a counselor. So I'm a portfolio. I'm not just one thing. I am multiple things. That's, that's, that's what I mean by we are a portfolio. But I am also an investment, all right? That means an investment is something that I appreciate with time. Hallelujah. Did you get that? An investment is an asset that is acquired with the goal of generating income or appreciation. If you have, if you have an investment, is either your investment is generating dividends or interest, right? Or is either it is making money by appreciating, right? If you buy stocks, you will say it's appreciating. It was $10 today, it's now $100 or something, you know, uh, now. So it's very important to know that you are not just a portfolio, but you are also an investment. An investment means you appreciate. You make things better. So as a pastor, my job is to make things better. My job is to come in contact with people and to improve their lives with my gift as a pastor. So I'm an investment in that sense, right? That is, people sit under my ministry, people have a relationship, and they can say, you know what, my life has been better because of your job as a pastor. As a husband, my wife, she'll be able to honestly say, apart from just trying to put it on Facebook for people to see, you know, there's, there's what people put on Facebook, there's what is actually happening, Right? Amen. I mean, oh, you know, there's what we say just to say it, you know, for, for political correctness. There's what is in our hearts. My wife should be able to say, you know what, my life is better off because oh, you are doing your job. You're calling as a husband. You're doing it right. All right? My children should be able to say, you know what, our life is better because you are a good father. And we're, so we are multiple things, whatever we, we are, what, what we are in church, what we are at home, what we are at work. You know, it is very important to know that we are a portfolio, and you can take anyone. If you take uh, our, okay, it's not there, uh, our keyboardist. He's a keyboardist. He blesses us. Let's take Shola, for example. He's a keyboardist. He blesses us every Sunday. You know, we are, our life is better off because he is faithful with his play. But it's not just a keyboardist. It's more than a keyboardist. He's a husband of somebody, all right? And he's a father now to two children. God bless him. Amen. All right? He will, he will, he's also an, a real estate investor, all right? So he, if you look at one person, he's, you're multiple. Uh, Dami is a keyboardist. He's a student. And he's a wannabe photographer. No, he's not wannabe. He's a photographer now, right? He's already doing well. He's already, he's already living the life there. Amen. But you can take anybody and see that each one of us, we are not just one thing. We are multiple things. But we are, that's what I mean by we are a portfolio, right? But we are also an investment, an investment means we get better and we make things better. 
everywhere in every aspect of our life. Praise the name of Jesus. One thing about portfolio is portfolio, sometimes you see that you are doing better. One portfolio of your investment is doing better at each season than the other. That's why, that's why you actually invest in a, that's why you have a portfolio. That's why you don't put all your money in maybe real estate. You don't put all your money in stock. You don't put all your money in bond or in some industry alone. You put it and you're going to realize that at every point in time, some aspect is doing better. And that's our life too. And I'm going to talk about that because I'm going to talk about the principles of investment today. You know, I'm even talking about financial investment. We're going to connect that to how we live our life because those are very, very biblical principles. If we see our life as an investment, we're going to live it differently. If you see yourself as a portfolio of investment, you're going to live your life a little differently. And that's what I want to do today. Praise the name of Jesus. How many of us are ready for the message now? Say, I'm ready. All right. So we're going to start today. We're going to continue the next two Sundays. So make sure you are here. Hallelujah. So today I'm going to take about five principles in investing uh, that makes you a good investor, a successful investor. You know, and I'm going to really connect that to how they apply to us. The first principle is called delayed gratification. I want you to say delayed gratification. You see, every successful investor practices what is called delayed gratification. You see, without delayed gratification, you cannot be a successful investor. Someone, the opposite of delayed gratification is someone that gratifies themselves now. That means they enjoy everything they have now. If you're someone that enjoys everything you have now, you're never going to be an investor. All right? An investor is someone that is able to defer consuming some of their income. All right? You're able to say, you know what, I'm not going to enjoy this now. I'm going to delay it. Because the natural thing for us is just to enjoy what we have to enjoy, to have fun, to, you know, buy whatever we want to buy, just enjoy it and say, you know, I have one life to live, let me just enjoy. Uh, investors, they think a little differently. They say, you know what, let me delay enjoying some of this, all right? Let me put it forward with the purpose that these, I will be able to enjoy it in future. To gratify means to have pleasure to enjoy. So to, to delay means to delay enjoying certain privileges in your life now for the purpose of being able to enjoy it even better in future. We must practice that in our life if we see ourselves as a portfolio of investment. Praise the name of Jesus. Let's look at what Jesus says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, Jesus, the Bible says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, all right, he endured the cross. Look at what the Bible says about Jesus. 
The joy is in the future. So he's talking about because of the joy that is in the future, he endured the cross today, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. So look at what Jesus. So Jesus is practicing delayed gratification. That is, he went to the cross because in his mind he saw this is going to lead to something better. There's going to be joy on the other end. If I can go through the cross and go through the shame and go through that pain, many, many lives, right? This is an investment that will generate endless return. And that's why we are all saved today, because of Jesus' delayed gratification. Hallelujah. So I want to ask you, how many times do you say that to yourself? How many times do you say, let me endure this for the joy set before me? If you don't do that often, you're not investing your life wisely. If you're someone that just is all about what pleasures you, is all about what is easy, what is convenient for you, you're not able to delay enjoying certain things whether it's sex, whether it's money, whether it's time, you're not able to say, you know what, these things is not meant for now. You know, if I'm able to, you know, discipline myself and endure, it is going to pay off greatly in future. Your life is an investment, and a successful investor must practice delayed gratification. Look at what the Bible says about Moses. By faith, Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. All right? He regarded the disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead for his reward. Look at the same thing Moses practiced. Exact same thing. He chose to be mistreated now for the greater glory. So you have to recognize that your life is not just about what works now, what you can enjoy now. You must delay certain enjoyment in your life to have a greater return later. Praise the name of Jesus. Number two principle for a successful, for successful investor is the willingness to risk. I want you to say willingness to risk. So it's just not about delaying gratification. It is now being able to risk that. You know, being able to risk what you have today is the best way to a different outcome tomorrow. All right? You can stack all your money and say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to. Some people are good savers, but they are not good investors. Right? Some people are good savers. I mean, their saving account is fat, but they are watching it every day. You know, they go and open their account, they smile. You know, some people actually still put it in, under their pillow in their houses. All right? They just, they, they, work, they love to see the cash, $100 bills. All right? And they love to, to just peep at it and say, I love it. All right? Now, but they are not investors. They are just savers. All right? And they are big difference. The difference between savers and investors is risk. Investors are willing to take that out of savings account, right? And 
put it somewhere where there's a possibility they might even lose it altogether. You can't lose savings account. It's guarantee, you know, 100,000 FDIC. Is it FDIC, right? And I still remember a lot of this stuff, right? All right? FDIC insured. You know, some people just love that. Uh, but you're willing to say, you know what? Let me take what is not insured and put it in a place where there is a risk that I lose it all. And those are the only people who get something out of the market. Those are the millionaires. Those are people who are making a lot of money today. Those are the people doing well because they are risking their money. So successful investors are willing to risk. Let's look at what the Bible says. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Let's read our verse 4 to 6. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. All right? Whoever looks at the cloud will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a, in, a, in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Look at verse 6. Sow your seed in the morning and in the evening and let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will succeed whether this or that, whether both we do equally well. You know, you must be willing to step out and risk something. You know, risk relationship, risk your emotion, risk your money, risk your time. You, you don't just play safe. Many people don't really fulfill God's will for their life because they are into playing it safe. Never risk. Never risk. And I, and I see a lot of people are really not doing well today because they are risk-averse. they just about protecting their life. In fact, Jesus said anyone who just is so much about protecting their life, they will lose it. In, in, in investing, you're losing money by protecting it. If all your goal is to put it in savings account, in 10 years, you're actually poorer. You lose it. Inflation every year, right? Your $100 today by next year become like $97. You know, by the following year, it further reduces. And you see that the $100 you have today, if you just keep it as cash, in 10 years, it, the buying power might have reduced by 80%. Isn't that, isn't that clear? That's people who are risk-averse. And sometimes that's how we live our life. We're risk-averse. We're not able to step out. Some of you are not going to school because you look at the tuition. You're like, man, I can't do this. I would rather do this small thing that I can manage, that I can handle. You know, but inside, you can do a lot better. Some of you are not in relationship because you can't risk your emotion. You can't, you can't risk being hurt. You see, you can't have friends, good friends, unless you can risk being hurt. You know, you can't really experience love unless you can extend your love to others. You, can, you, you, you can't be blessed unless you're willing to risk your money and give it out, right? Some people don't, don't bless people because they're, oh, they're going to take advantage of me. Oh, yeah, they're going to take advantage. I'm not giving to the poor because they're going to use it to go and uh, do drugs. You know, I mean, just in that mode, you know, of controlling everything, you, if you're not willing to risk, you can't succeed as well. Let's look at a scripture that is very, very interesting. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 29. Matthew 14, 29. You know, look at what he says. Come, he said. This is Jesus talking to Peter. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. I want you to look at the procession. 
All right, look at the process. So Jesus told Peter to come. Now, Peter got down out of the boat. All right? Then walked on water and came towards Jesus. Like, so the first thing Peter do, did, rather, was to step out of the boat. I mean, guess where he was stepping into? Into the water. Where there was a possibility of being drowned, right? There was a possibility. I mean, it took a lot of, it was a major risk. First of all, he had to believe it was Jesus that is speaking. You read that story, you're like, wow. He just said, Jesus, if it is you, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. And he didn't say, now, how do I know that's your voice? <laughs> right? And he just stepped out. And up here today, we celebrate Peter's faith, right? Because he walked on water. That's very, very important to you. Yours might not be about walking on water, but it might be about going into the ministry. Yours might be about starting a business. Yours might be about going to school, changing your career, you know, getting into a you know, relationship, you know. It, it might be about any of those. If you're not willing to step out of your comfort zone, the boat of protection that you have insulated yourself. Some of you are in the boat of friendship. You can't have friends out of three people that have been your friends since high school. Those are the only people I trust. Oh, you know, trust is issue for me. I mean, there's a lot, there's so many people like that. Trust is issue for them. They're not able to, you know, step out and make new friends. Step out and do something new. Learn something, you know, learn something new. Change. They just want that comfort. If you're not willing to step out, you can walk on water and you can do great things. But I speak over your life today and I destroy every power of fear that is holding you down, holding you in the boat. And I declare the spirit of God will rest upon you and catapult you into your destiny so you can risk in Jesus' name. Successful investors know they can lose sometimes. In fact, his ability to be able to accept that loss, that really qualifies them to be a successful investors. And I pray that will be your portion in Jesus' name. Let's look at the third one. The third one is discipline and consistency. Successful investors are people who have the discipline to be consistent. One of the hallmarks of successful investors is that they are consistent. In the bear market, in the bull market, they are consistent. They don't, they don't jump in and out. If you look at Warren Buffett, all these great investors, they are there. In fact, if you, are, if you start to invest a little bit and you want to learn, one of the first things you're going to learn, especially if you're doing something like 401k and you really want to know, you're going to learn terminology called dollar cost averaging, right? Dollar cost averaging. How many of us have heard of before? All right, a few. Dollar cost averaging means you invest the same amount of money over a period of time, all right? So that means when the stock is high, you buy uh, a smaller quantity because you're only doing $100, right? When it's low, you buy more because you're still doing $100. But over a period of time, your average cost of each stock, for example, is still lower. So people like that, they come out on top all the time, all right? 
dollar cost averaging makes you to succeed in the long haul. Now, people who are trying to time, you know, they always go in when it's high. And then when it's high, they're like, whoa, they quickly put out their money. Then when it's low, they withdraw it. People, majority of those people end up losing money. End up losing money because people who are consistent in the market are people who make money. You know, we, those are the people who make money. So the discipline of being consistent about your life, about what you do, about your friendship, about your faithfulness, about your job, about your service, about your giving. Some people are good givers when there is a preacher in town. I mean, there's a very powerful preacher that can call money, that can say, if you do this now, this is going to happen to you. I've done this before. I've done this. They give some testimonies of some questionable sometimes testimonies, right? <laughs> they give testimonies. They take off their, their shirts. They do this. And they're like, give now. 1,000, 2,000. And people come. I've been in those meetings. And people rush out. But many of them aren't even consistent givers. Some of them don't even give in their local churches. They're not, they're not faithful. They're not titles. They're not this. But they just think, the market is hot now. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what happened, right? The market is hot. Then they put their money, right? And a lot of them even regret that giving because nothing happens. They're angry. They're bitter. But I have never seen consistent givers who lose out at the end. You see, consistent givers are faithful. When times are down, when times are up, they are consistent. They are always there. Consistent friends are always better. Not friends. I mean, they are friends that just come after you when things are fine, right? They are great friends. When things are down, they are not there. I mean, you know those friends. You know who they are, right? You know, consistency. Consistent prayer warrior. People who pray when things are up, when things are down. Our, we are like that as individuals. We must learn the principle of consistency. Hallelujah. If we're going to make something of our life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The Bible says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Galatians 6, 9, right? Don't be weary. Even in Ecclesiastes 11, he says, Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening, let your hands not be idle. Do it consistently, for you do not know which one will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will succeed equally. I want you to really learn the principle of being consistent. Many people lose out in life because of lack of consistency. Many people quit close to their breakthrough. Many people quit close to their blessing. And there's so many stories of that. You must, be, you must see yourself as an, an, a portfolio of investment. You don't quit. God has put so much in you. You don't walk away. You don't quit on life. You don't quit on yourself. You don't quit on God. Acquire the discipline to be consistent so you can be a great investor. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I have two more. The fourth principle of a successful investor 
is called rebalancing. It's a market term called rebalancing. Rebalancing simply means every once in a while, if you're an investor, you go back and look at your portfolio, right? It is probably out of whack, all right? And you try to rebalance it. You bring it back to a normal proportion. This is very important to us because we are like a portfolio like that, right? We're a portfolio. Like I gave an example, you're a pastor, you're a husband, you're a businessman, uh, you know, a father to somebody. As you live life, something will happen to you. You're going to go out of balance. You're going to see that there will be seasons in your life when you are succeeding in one aspect of your life than others, right? And wisdom means you have to really being able to rebalance your life, being able to maybe have conversation. There will be time maybe as a mother or as a wife or, you know, maybe you need to take a class, you know. Uh, uh, you know, maybe you need to go to school, take a class, do this. Maybe you have conversation with people in your life to say, I will not be as available in the next one year, right? Because I need to put a little more energy in this aspect of my life, all right? Then you also need wisdom to be able to say, when it's over, I need to bring myself back to balance, right? There are times in our life maybe we do a lot in church, all right? Uh, maybe there's no time. I mean, then you say, you know, I cannot do as much because I need to really focus on this. And when this is done, I can bring my back, myself back to order. Many people don't understand that principle of rebalancing. And sometimes that's why we get burnt out. And that's why we also destroy relationship along the way. Because sometimes people in our life expect you to be available all the time. Maybe you've always been available. Maybe the season of life, you know, makes you to always be available 24-7 for them, right? But now you are not. Maybe you're married, you know, you're going to school, you know, you're doing this, you're doing a lot of that. Maybe you need to have conversation with some of those people in your life to have an understanding of what is going on in your life. And when that season is over, you understand that now I'm moving into a new season. Maybe focus needs to be on other things. Some of us have young children. Maybe there are some things you don't do now because you have young children. You know, being able to understand that, being able to time that, being able to really apply God's wisdom to be able to live a balanced life is very necessary to be a successful investor, all right? Otherwise, you just live your life, you know, hurting people, fighting, hurting yourself, taking too much. You can hurt your health if you're not very careful. You know, you can hurt your family. Many people have hurt their family because they're trying to do everything together. You know, they are doing two jobs, going to doing a master's program, you know, having a third kid, you know, and serving in four ministries in church, and they want to do everything. And they are like, the grace of God is sufficient. I'm a man of my word. You know, I, I just have to, you know, I just have to be there. I have to be there for everyone. I don't want to disappoint everyone. No, you must apply the wisdom of God to rebalance your life as often. And that's why we even encourage people to assess yourself, examine your life, see where you have gone out of balance, all right? And bring yourself back to balance on a regular basis. Praise the name of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, there is time for everything and a season for every activity 
under the heaven. Being able to sense that timing, being able to sense that season is very critical to succeeding in life. Remember, it's not just about succeeding in your career. It's also about succeeding in your management of your physical body, your health, right? Some people succeed at the expense of their health. Some people succeed at the expense of their family, at the expense of your friends. And when there's going to be a time when you need those friendships, and the success at work cannot replace friendship, right? All those things are things we must think about. And I pray the Lord will give you wisdom in Jesus' name. Number five and the last one is faith in the system. Faith in the system. Every successful investor is succeeding because they have faith in the fundamentals of the economic system, right? You know, there are some things we know about the economic system that are so fundamentally true, right? The market will always go up over a long period of time. It's been true for a hundred years. It's been true for many years, right? There are some fundamentals of the system, of the economic system, that people are just betting on. That's why they are successful investors, right? They understand there there are some certain fundamentals. So I believe in the market, right? I believe in the power of the market. I believe in what, uh, you know, some certain characteristics of the market. I believe market will always go up and down. But I believe over a long period of time, market will always have an upward bias. That's the language that is used in the market, right? That basic belief gives them confidence. And that's why they can risk millions of dollars. That's why they can do this. That's why they can do all that because there is a faith. Now, we have even a better system. It's called the kingdom system. And you must believe strongly in the kingdom economy to be a successful investor, to invest your life wisely. You must be able, you must be willing to believe strongly that God does not lie. You must believe strongly in the goodness of God. And I need to speak to someone today that you must believe in the goodness of God. You see, faith in the goodness of God is so fundamental to how we live. Many of us, you, have not, you are not able to know that in your heart. Yes, we'll sing it in songs. you know it in your head. you hear people talk about it. But you must get to a point when there's a revelation in your heart of the goodness of God. And that's why the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. You see, pleasing God takes risk. Pleasing God takes going out of your way. Pleasing God sometimes takes being ridiculed. Pleasing God sometimes takes you yourself, you know, thinking you're crazy. Pleasing God sometimes, you know, makes you to really offend some people. But your fundamental belief in God's goodness is very, is the key to everything I've talked about in the last 40 minutes. It is impossible to please God without faith because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Those who earnestly put him first. Those who earnestly say, you know what? I am going to put first the kingdom of God because the Lord says so. Hallelujah. And that's what the Bible says. I'm going to put him first. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness 
and all other things shall be added. David said in Psalm 37, verse 25, I was young, now I am old. I, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Some of the things you're doing now, your children will even inherit it. They will enjoy it. That fundamental faith is what drives obedience to God. That fundamental belief in the goodness of God. And there might be some people here that still doubt the goodness of God. You're not able to feel it. It's academic for you, so it's not in your heart. And I want to pray for you today as I round up. I want to pray for you today. You will be able to understand and enter into the world where your life is guided by a radical understanding of God's goodness. How many of us want to say God is good? God is good. He loves you. He cares for you. And His goodness stands. The goodness of God transcends anything. Transcends our past. Transcends our present. Transcends our failure. If we can live our life resting in the fact that He loves me and He wants the best for me. We're going to succeed. We're going to do bigger, better. We're going to be a successful investment. God has invested so much in you. You're not just one thing, you're many things. You're multifaceted. You're multidimensional. You're multi-gifted. God has put so much in you. And he's just looking up to you to say, you know what, Lord, I'm reaching out back. I want us to bow down our heads and pray. So, Father, I'm just uh, speaking this word the way you put it in my heart. There are a number of people I need to pray for today. You want to say, Lord, I'm not sure I really know of your goodness. And you just you want that supernatural touch of understanding the goodness of God. I'd like to pray for you. I believe that there are a, lot of, a number of people here he wants me to pray for. Is when we talk about the goodness of God, it's theoretical. And you want to be able to say, I have seen the goodness of God. I want you to just, you know, stand up where you are because I like to stretch my hands and pray for you. Hallelujah. I just want you to stand up where you are. I like to pray for you. A number of people here, God bless you. God bless you. So there might be a few people. Yes, Lord. So, Father, in Jesus, now I want you to put your hands on your chest if you're standing up. And if you want to join them, please do. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I'm releasing that power that causes people to truly know your goodness in their hearts. I'm praying that that will be released upon this one standing and upon everyone here in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray concerning, I mean, against every lie of the enemy in their heart, in their mind. Everything speaking against your goodness, challenging the goodness of God in their life. And I'm praying that you will align their life with your goodness, in accordance with your goodness. Your goodness will be the guiding light of their life in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I honor you. I pray that this one will 
live to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I come against every spirit of discouragement, depression, dejection, rejection. And I pray the power of your goodness will step in. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. I want you to just say, I am a portfolio of God's investment. God has invested so much in me. God has given me so much. And I'm grateful for that. I will not allow my circumstance and my situation to redefine who God is, to redefine what God has done. I will live my life in worship and thanksgiving and faith, believing in what God has done. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.